الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا مريرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم إن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار My dear respected brothers, sisters, elders, this is the third in my series of khutab called The Way Forward. There is probably going to be a fourth one and I don't know after that. I want to say to you that what we need to do is to start thinking long term. Because it is not about winning one conflict. It is about becoming influential and creating a situation where there are no more conflicts. It is about becoming influential where you can initiate and direct local and national policy. It is about becoming, being in positions where decisions you take will impact people across the globe. And inshallah for you, these will be positive decisions and become Sadaqa Jariya for you. History is a great teacher. And they say that the that nations that don't learn from their history are condemned to repeat it. And that is why I keep on going back to history. Let me mention for you two decisions, the effects of which the world is feeling to this day. One was what is called the Sykes-Picot Agreement of 1916. The discussions were from November 23, 1915 to January 3, 1916. This was a secret treaty between the United Kingdom and France with the assent of the Russian Empire and the Kingdom of Italy to define their mutually agreed spheres of influence and control in an eventual carving up of the Ottoman Empire. At that, time, at that time, the Ottoman Empire was very much alive and well. The wealthiest empire of that time, and if it hadn't been carved up, every single oil and gas producing nation today would have been a part of the Ottoman Empire. and It would have become the most wealthy empire of history of humankind. Who are Sykes and Pico? 
two lowly civil servants. They sat with a map of the Ottoman Empire and they carved it up. British and French diplomats, Marx Sykes and François George Picot, drafted the agreement which was ratified by their respective governments on the 9th and 16th of May 1916. The second agreement was called the Balfour Declaration of 1917, one year later, which was a letter from the United Kingdom's Foreign Secretary, again a civil servant. Not a king, a civil servant. Arthur Balfour to Lord Rothschild, the leader of the British Jewish community for transmission to the Zionist Federation of Great Britain and Ireland. The Balfour Declaration was a public statement issued by the British government in 1917 during the First World War announcing its support for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine, which was at that time an Ottoman region with a small Jewish population. The big lesson to learn here is that what matters even more than who you are is where you are. Environment dictates effectiveness. A fish cannot even breathe on land, but in the water, it is the epitome of speed and grace. It's not the ability of the fish, it is where it is, in the water, which allows that ability to come forth. Today, we have as many capable people as anyone else, believe me, but they are not in the right places. That must be our goal, to get the right person in the right place. Now, to change anything, you must own it first. I can't change your house because I don't own your house. You cannot change my house because you don't my, own my house. If I want to change your house, I have to first buy your house. Then I can change it. Same thing for countries. You cannot change what you don't own. I'm saying to you, and by you I mean all the immigrant population who is here first, second, third generation immigrants. America is your country. Try to get your mind around this. America is your country. Not Syria, not Pakistan, not Bangladesh, not India, not Iraq, not Lebanon. It is America. You are a citizen of this country. You are not a visitor waiting to go home. This is home. The truth is that this is already the case with your children, believe it or not, because not one of them is capable of going back to Syria or Lebanon or Pakistan or wherever and leaving even one week. You know that, I know that, they know that. This is critical because only when you think of America as your own country can you work to make it beneficial for the world. If you read history, you will see that in every age, there's always been some empire or nation which dominated. Go all the way back 2000 plus years to the Roman Empire. Someone or the other always dominated the world. In the post-World War II age, it is America. 
whether anyone likes it or not, that is the truth. And given that China and Russia are the other options, I am thankful for this. The citizens of this country have the opportunity to make that, that domination of the world, a blessing for the world. Only you can do this, not outsiders. And therefore, you have two choices. To complain about what is happening or to change it. Your choice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to become powerful and establish justice on the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna la nansuru rusulana walladhina amanu fil hayati dunya wa yawma yaqoomul ashad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, We certainly help our messengers and the believers, both in this worldly life and on the day of witness will stand forth. And on the day of judgment, the witnesses will stand forth. And in another place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Saf, Allah said, وَأُخْرَى تُحِبُّونَ نَصْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَطْهٌ قَرِيبٌ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ He will also give you another favor for which you long help from Allah and imminent victory. So give good news, O Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the believers. I want to remind myself and say to you that to change, to create change, we need people in four critical areas. Legislature, judiciary, executive, and media. Lawmaking, interpreting the law, administrating, and mind steering. That means we need attorneys, judges, politicians, administrators, journalists, and media specialists. Professors of political science and sociology, and financial experts. My wife told me not to, not to say this next line, but I'm going to say it anyway. She said, you will offend all your friends. I said, that will show me how many are my real friends. We have enough doctors. We have enough engineers and enough MBAs and enough mom and pop shops. So all my friends are offended. I'm sorry about that. That's the reality. We don't need a Muslim doctor. We need a Muslim congressperson. Think about this. After 75 years of the formation of Israel and Palestine, you have one single woman in Congress, Palestinian woman. 75 years, one woman. But we moan and we groan and we complain and we complain and we complain. We need ethical, moral power brokers with a sense of responsibility to, and accountability to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think of all the people in this community who you think are wealthy. I'm, I'm really on this making enemies pathway. Think of all the people in this community who you think of as wealthy. People with big houses, big cars, what not, what not. May Allah, I can't say may Allah make your house bigger, it won't. But may Allah give you a lot of barakah in your house, in your car and so on. And then ask, how many of them are in positions of power? Wealthiest. Power? What, what do I mean by power? Let me start small. How many of these people are on school boards? Do they have children? Did they have children? Do they have grandchildren? Do they go to school? 
Are you on the school boards? How many are city councillors? How many are aldermen? How many are selectmen? How many are mayors? Why not? Why not? How many of you are hearing these terms for the first time? Aldermen, selectmen. So when you meet somebody, don't ask them what car do you drive. Ask them what decisions do you make. Personal wealth makes you comfortable but keeps you vulnerable. Power changes that equation. The road to power is totally different from the road to personal wealth. You need to decide what you want for your children. And the children have to decide what they want for themselves. By minding your shop and inheriting it after you die or studying medicine, pharmacy, MBA, so on and so on, 20 or 30 years from the time they graduate, they may own their own house and they may have one or two nice cars and be able to take maybe annual holidays. But someone with power can take that away from them with one stroke of the pen. By pursuing power and influence, instead, after 20 or 30 years, they will be in positions where their decisions can change the destinies of entire populations. But the paths are totally different. And they must start on that path now. It takes 20 years. It takes 30 years. We are talking two generations. أقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعده Let's consider four episodes from the سيرة of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم to see how Rasulullah transformed his powerless state and used that power for good. When he was forced to make hijrah to Medina, he was virtually powerless with his life in danger and had to hide in a cave to escape the enemy death squads. But eight years later, he conquered Makkah at the head of an army of 10,000. The tribal chiefs who had driven him out of Makkah saw that it was futile to resist and they are lined up to pledge allegiance. Four incidents. First, the pledge of Al-Aqaba. There were two of them, Baitul Al-Aqaba, where the chiefs of Medina pledged to defend him and his mission at the cost of their wealth and lives if he migrated to Medina. Now think about this. The migration to Medina was a blessing because Medina was far enough away from Makkah to give him some, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, some peace and ability to increase his influence. And also Medina was strategically located on the trade route to Sham. And so Medina was a threat to the trading caravans of Makkah. This was a strategic advantage. Think about this. 
before this Rasulullah had gone to Taif and he was not successful in Taif. We know the whole story of Taif. But if he had been successful in Taif and if he had moved to Taif, then Taif was because of its proximity to the Quraysh in Mecca. It's very possible that the Quraysh could have attacked Taif and killed him and finished off the mission. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan is always the best. Even though it looks initially that something is wrong, it's not wrong. The second episode was the formation of the Ummah with the brotherhood between the Muhajirun and the Ansar. This was unique because the Muhajirun were really refugees. But instead of putting them in camps, Rasulullah made them into brother pairs of brothers. And the Ansar took them into their homes and into their families. And this brought together the two groups as one community in a unique way with Islam being the reason for the bond instead of tribe or lineage. The Muhajirun, the migrant from Makkah, most of whom had nothing, immediately had relief and a sense of belonging that formed one united community. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Quran about this and called them Ummatan Wahida and honored them by declaring that he was the reason for the brotherhood. Where he said, Jalla Jalaluhu, Inna hadihi ummatukum ummatan wahida wa ana rabbukum fa'budun. In Surah Al-Anbiya, he said, Indeed, this religion, this brotherhood, this ummah of yours is one ummah, and I am your Rabb, so worship me alone. And in Surah Al-Mu'minun, he said, وَإِنَّ هَذِهِ أُمَّتُكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا وَأَنَا رَبُّكُمْ فَاتَّقُونَ He said, surely this religion, this ummah of yours is one ummah, and I am your Rabb, so have my taqwa only. Second, third incident was the covenant of Medina, which brought all the people in Medina, the Muslims, the Jews, and the polytheists, together on a common pact of mutual assistance and security. There was freedom for each group to continue to worship their gods and to live their lives according to their personal laws, but to unite if there was any external threat. If you are looking for an example for a pluralistic, multicultural, multi-religious society, it is right there in the life of Rasulullah himself. He didn't force everybody to convert to Islam. So live according to your life. But... Come together for things which are of concern to all of us together. There's a very important reason I'm saying this. The most significant thing about the 53 article document was that everyone accepted the leadership of Rasulullah and he became the ruler and arbitrator in all matters. Finally, the fourth one is the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the Sulah Hudaybiyah, which again on the face of it appeared to be one-sided and humiliating for the Muslims but which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called a manifest victory. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Quran and he said, Inna fatahna lakam fathum mubina. Inna fatahna laka fathum mubina. Allah said, we have given you a manifest victory. Now this was a victory for three reasons. One, because it was the first time that the Quraysh recognized Rasulullah as a head of state. Until then, he was, oh, my cousin, my nephew, and so, no, no, no more cousin nephews. He is the head of state. And the treaty was between him, between Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we you know the whole incident of Sayyidina Ali writing it, and so on and so on. 
it was a treaty between him and the Quraysh of Makkah. It was not a treaty between the Quraysh and the people of Medina, no. It was a treaty between Muhammad sallallahu as the head of the state, his name and the Quraysh of Makkah. It's very, very important historical uh, element of that treaty. Second, it was the final test of obedience for the Sahaba, Ridwanullahi alayhi to see if they would obey Rasulullah without question in a matter where many did not agree with him and were unhappy about what he was planning to do. Today people say we have no Khalifa. I say we have. We have 1.2 billion Khalifa. 1.8 billion Khalifa. Everybody is a Khalifa. Nobody wants to follow anybody else. This is our problem. This is a very, very major problem. That was the test of the Sahaba. And obedience is seen only where <coughs> you don't like what is happening. The third was that thanks to um, third of the reasons was that thanks to Sulehadebiya, there came a time of suspension of hostilities. And because of that, Islam spread like never before. There were only 1400 people who went with Rasulullah to Hudaybiyah, but there were 10,000 who went with him to Makkah two years later. All these incidents show that to seek power and influence in society is very important if we want to change our situation. There are things that can only be done if you have power. And that is what we must focus on. Talking about power, we live in a country where an ordinary person can aspire to local and national leadership, unlike the countries where most of us come from. But do we know what to do to get there? Are we thinking about this? Today is my questions day, so let me ask you some more questions. What is the connection between the House of Representatives, the Congress and the Senate? What happens if the House of Representatives and Senate pass a law but the President vetoes it? What happens to that law? What is the career path for someone who wants to become a Senator? What is the relationship between the Congress, the Supreme Court and the President of America? How many of you are thinking about this for the first time in your life? My message to our youth is as follows. Plan your careers with power in mind, not just money. The power to do good, to change the rules of the corrupt, merciless society that you have inherited. You didn't make it, but you can unmake it. But only if you want to and are willing to dedicate your life to it. Your life will be immensely satisfying, very interesting, great fun, and will leave a legacy of honor and be a sadaqah jariya, but it will not be comfortable or easy. This is a generational project, but if you don't step forward today, you will live to regret it for the rest of your lives. It's your life, and your choice. Rabbana faqfir lana dhunubana wa kaffir lana sayyatina wa tawaffana ma'al abrar. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fi l'akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhaban nar. 
اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما اعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا شر ما قضيت فانك تقضي ولا يخضع عليك فانه لا يذل من واليت ولا يعز من عاديت تبارك ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب اليك ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار لا اله الا انت سبحانك اننا كنا من الظالمين رب اغفر وارحم وانت خير الراحمين لا اله الا انت سبحانك اننا كنا من الظالمين رب اغفر وارحم وانت خير الراحمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدوا يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله اكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون اقيموا الصلاه